What's, What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. I am Toshiba Oliver, one of your hosts. And I'm Leah Ross, your other host. Living as an urban Christian woman is an amazing gift and an incredible responsibility. We need God's truth to shape and transform us. The Urban Christian Woman is a space to help us grow in faith and steward who we are and the cultural context in which we live. On this podcast, we will excavate God's word and have great conversation about books of the Bible, discuss things happening in culture along with its challenges and how the Bible responds, and hear from and be encouraged by women living faithfully in everyday spaces for the glory of God. So listen, wherever you are, know that in this space, come on in because the water is fine and be equipped for everyday life through the Urban Christian Woman podcast. Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. What's up, ladies? Welcome back to the final edition of Ways of the Kingdom, the final Ooh, episode. Yes. We are here and we've made it, Toshiba. We've made it through Luke. Honey, <laughs> have we have we made it through an entire book called Luke? Yes, we, we did. did. We did it. Yes, we, did we did it. We did it. We, we went, did we, it. We took the whole, honestly, the it was like the hills and the valleys, the highs and the lows. Yeah, we, we took the scenic route. And, yeah. Um, L- listen, let me just are. I know I know. And let me just say this if for anybody who thinks that this is an easy task. It was not. <laughs> it was not easy. It was not easy. But we have spiritually grown. Right, mm-hmm. Leah? I think we both have spiritually Absolutely. grown so much. Our faith has been formed ever the more and our lives have been conformed even the more mm-hmm. to the likeness of our Savior Christ. I mean, so. King Jesus spoke a whole word, not only about all the beauty that is in Luke, but also just about enduring. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, and so that's good. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's yes. just a little behind the scenes. How yeah. the sausage is made, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all right, well, let's do this thing. So yes, girl. Luke 23 and 24 We're Mm -hmm. jumping into the ways of the kingdom, and the final way of the kingdom is, (laughs) drumroll, embracing, the way of the kingdom is embracing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for humanity's sin, and living in belief of his Mm -hmm. kingdom coming again. Come on. So we get this. We get it. We get it, right? We're at the crux. We're at the final chapter, the final act of this beautiful um, story of Jesus coming to dwell with us. Yeah. So in chapters 23 and 24, it's it's just, it's the whole culmination, right? It's the culmination of the story. We see what Jesus does, what he did, what he's going to do, and what he's going to continue doing Yay, in the lives glory. of believers. Yay, so, glory. Yeah. Come on, saints. <laughs> in one him. sense is the end, and in another Ooh. sense is the whole beginning, okay? Honey, that's why okay. it's just... I'm like, yeah, I am beyond filled with joy at just Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, say his name. It's something about that yeah, name. Something about the name Jesus. I know okay, right. so let's jump in here to the mechanics of Luke 23 and 24. So who yeah. are the key players here in chapter 23, Toshiba? Yeah, so in chapter 23, we're going to see the Sanhedrin, of course, which is the culmination of the chiefs, the scribes, all of these people, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they're all together. It called the Sanhedrin. We'll see that. Jesus, Pilate, Herod, right? Roman and Judean soldiers, a multitude of people, this group of women that will be referred to as the Daughters Mm -hmm. of Jerusalem, We have Simon of Cyrene. We have Barabbas. um, We have these two criminals. And then Joseph of Arimathea. And then in chapter 24, we're going to see Mary Magdalene, um, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and many more women, the apostles, these two angels, Cleopas, Jesus, and the 11 disciples. We've now moved from 12 to 1. I mean, 12 to 11. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So... We see that in chapter 24. And then all of this is taking place at the time of Jesus' suffering and crucifixion through his death and burial to his resurrection and ascension. And it's taking place in Jerusalem, then on a road to um, Emmaus, seven miles outside of Jerusalem, and then back 
to Jerusalem again. And then many of you are asking like, okay, give us the rundown. Why is this taking place? Everything in the Bible has led up to this. God's purpose for his people, the words of the prophets and Jesus' very mission and life. And so the act of Jesus giving his life as an innocent sacrifice and rising again is what cements the Christian hope. So mm-hmm. we're going to be pointing to a lot of Old Testament text and mm-hmm. and and some other texts that sort of just verify um, and are pointing back towards Old Testament and pointing us towards Jesus mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. He came to do as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we're going to see these themes. Leah, talk to us about the themes of chapter twenty three and twenty four. Yeah. So in the themes in these two sections. Um, we have no no truth, no true justice, right? No, as we talked about a little bit in the last episode, no justice, no peace, no justice, no true peace in this um, passage as well. And so we'll see Jesus fulfilling and becoming the peace through the accomplishing of the yeah. justice, the the just punishment for sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that Jesus has come for all peoples. We were saying earlier, like, I love that there's all these different players and actors in this particular part mm-hmm. and they all play different roles, but it's all sort of orchestrated to show us like who shows up in this final act of the story are all the people that Jesus came for, like all peoples, all yeah. peoples. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then, um, in chapter 24, we see that the believer's faith is made sight so the disciples and many others see the completed work of Jesus right in front of their eyes. So it's like they, from the prophets on, have have waited and trusted, and then their faith is made sight. And then sort of we shift to the next chapter of our faith being made sight in believing that after Jesus ascends that he will come again. Yeah. And then as well, we have just this great wonder that, that all of those who witnessed Jesus resurrected, um, that they have this wonder that they have at all that has come to pass. Mm-hmm. And then we also see just this huge theme of like fulfilled promises. I mean, Jesus says time and time again, you know, it, it must be, as the scripture said, it must be, as the scripture said, this fulfilled of the promises of the scripture and then the new beginnings, um, because the way that Luke ends his gospel is sort of like, like dot, dot, dot to be continued. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which it will be. Mm-hmm. 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 So yeah. So then, so let's look like, what do we see as these repeated words? We see um, in chapter 23, these repeated words of mock, crucify, guilt, this guilt of Jesus um, or the guilt of, that is placed on him that is not his. Um, the mm-hmm. weeping, this mourning, death, forgive. And then in 24, the repeated words that come up time and time again are day, um, just the the practical placing of this this time passing and the physicality of this mm-hmm. um, this this instance this point in history, we see often the repeated words of seek see or saw or appear just this whole like thing mm-hmm. on like sight like the seeing and the sight and them laying eyes on Jesus and what they see and that he appeared we see the repeated words of found and find told um, recognize. Jerusalem um, is also mentioned, and that's actually where the whole thing ends. So talk to us about some key phrases, too, because there's not just repeated words here, but we see some phrases that keep coming up as well, Toshiba. Yeah, in chapters 23, we're going to see these key phrases of, um, you know, if you are the Christ, if you are the Son of God, save yourself. And mm-hmm. while you're at it, I mean, save us. Save us <laughs> too. Know? Save us too. He said, Yeah, the criminal says that as well on the cross. He's like, listen, save yourself and save us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we're going to see this phrase of no guilt deserving death. No guilt deserving death. And then in chapter 24, we're going to see this phrase of Christ, the son of man should suffer. So we'll see those, uh, you'll be able to see those key phrases. Hopefully you've pulled them out and you've drawn them out as well. And then in chapter 23, and as we're moving forward to some key verses, we've got we've got the key words that are repeated. We've got the key phrases, the key verses for chapter 23 
verses 14 through 15. Usually it's Leah who has more than one verse. Lovely me. I am the person. The tables with more than- have turned. Oh, how the tables have turned <laughs> at the culmination of the book of Luke. So in Luke chapter 23, verses 14 through 15, it says, and he said to them, you brought me this man. He's making reference. Pilate is saying, you brought me this man, Pharisees and Sanhedrin, as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him, being Jesus before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. So we see that that key phrase right there. And then verse twenty, uh, verse thirty four of chapter twenty three. And Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." So Leah, talk to us about chapter twenty four and your key verse. My key verse for twenty four is verse forty six. And he said to them. Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And so, yeah, this mm. is sort of the crux of so both summarizing like all that the scripture said would happen that happened and then sort of the forward looking trajectory of because this happened, this is what is to come. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about what's going on in the text, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're right here at the top of chapter 23 and in chapter 23, right? We find ourselves post council of the Sanhedrin off of chapter 22 and now they've taken Jesus to the Judean and Roman courts to be charged. They've indicted him, they found him guilty on some trumped up charges and all fulfills the mission mm-hmm. of the kingdom of God. So Christ fulfills who he is and what he came to accomplish. So um, in this first section, in these first 16 verses, verses one through 16, we've got the court and the cross, and it is totally a trial that has gone wrong, right? We see um, as one of the themes um, that, as we talked about before, just like Leah said, that there is no truth, so there is no true justice. Mm -hmm. And because there is no justice, there is no true peace, which Christ is coming to accomplish on the cross. Mm -hmm. Well, this is how, and I, I just thought about this as I was like reading through this whole thing. I said, hey, like we think that our court systems are unjust. No, this is this is the foundation for unjust legal systems. Mm-hmm. This is how, this is what they do. This is how they, how they operate. operate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How they operate. So we enter with the Sanhedrin, bringing Jesus before the Judean court under Pilate, right? And eventually um, he's going to take him to the Roman courts under Herod um, because uh, Jesus is also Galilean. So they're, they're, he's like, listen, he's actually Galilean. Mm-hmm. Sin of so there's these three indictments that they have trumped up um, to um, indict Jesus. Number one is misleading the nation. The second one is forbidding Israel to give tribute to Caesar, right? And I could go into all of this, but I, I mean, there's, I don't want to take too long on it, but just know that like he never was misleading the nation. As a matter right, of fact, right, he right. talks about honoring those mm-hmm. um, who are the leaders, forbidding Israel to give tribute. He's like, listen, who's on that coin? Give the mm-hmm. Caesar what's Caesar and give mm-hmm. the God's what's God's. And then the last one, which is really the one that is the issue that is that they are seeking to stick mm-hmm. to actually get the crucifixion is him saying, uh him him say, himself saying that he is Christ a king okay mm. because they knew that they could not bring him into the courts saying that he was the king but he is a king mm-hmm. right so Pilate did not care about the first two. He really cared about that third one um, and him calling himself a king. And as we all know, Jesus was more than a king, which is why he responds as he does in verse three, right? Um, and when Pilate asked him, he said, are you the king of the Jews, right? First of all, he was a king because the the Sanhedrin didn't want to acknowledge him as king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Pilate then comes back and says, mm-hmm. Are you king of the Jews? And then Jesus, and saying that, 
right? He answers him and he says, well, you have said so because Jesus is making the point is that he is not a king, right? He is the savior. He mm-hmm. is he, he has come for something more than that. And so Jesus was just more than a king. And so um, the idols of the Sanhedrin began to show once again, right? In verse five, um, their, their heart and their love for people, their love for the people and it's revealing why they actually are seeking the crucifixion of Jesus in verse five, right? He says, um, listen, he is stirring up. Jesus is stirring up the people, teaching throughout all the Judea from Galilee, even to the place. And so they're just being put on blast for really what's going on in their own hearts, Mm -hmm. right? And what the real issue is, which is power, and their desire to please. And they're not in that light right now, right? Mm -hmm. It's Jesus. Everybody's been following him. Leah and I have been talking about that for chapters, right? He's got huge crowds following him. Mm -hmm. And so the council who should have been wielding their power for the kingdom of God is actually now powerless. And so having to take their matter to Pilate and eventually Rome. They had capital punishment power. Mm -hmm. And so Israel was no longer effective. I have to say this. Israel was Mm -hmm. no longer effective in their sacred work because they were not on Mm -hmm. the mission of God. Okay? Just Mm -hmm. let that soak in. Mm -hmm. So the secular finds no guilt in Christ. As the sacred is like, no, crucify him. Seriously, crucify him. He's the guilty. Secular, the <laughs> secular like, constructs are like, no, no, no. We got nothing. We've got nothing. So after the Sanhedrin, right, um, they don't get what they are urgently pursuing. Pilate sends them to Herod. And we're going to see Pilate sort of respond um, mm-hmm. and try to sort of, you know, dismiss this and try to throw it off on Herod, Right. Um, because Christ is really also under the Roman jurisdiction. So Pilate sends Jesus to Herod, who wants, who wanted to meet him anyway, right? And who is this Herod? Leah was, t- was talking about this a little bit. She and I were talking about this. But this is the same Herod who put John the Baptist's head on a plate. And Jesus says, you go tell that fox, you mm-hmm. know, all of those things, right? So, um, So we see that he is here um, and he is seeking him for different reasons. He wants to see him do these miracles. Yeah, he just wants to see a sign. He wants to see what all the all the noise is. Like entertain me. Entertain me. What's the Mm -hmm. what's all the hoopla? If anything he can he can do, he can entertain me. Right. So Herod asks his questions, but Jesus gives no answer. And what Jesus is actually doing and not responding to uh, Herod, he's actually fulfilling all. Old Testament scripture yes. in Isaiah 53, 7, as, um, as, as the old black church says, he never said a mumbling word. Mm-hmm. He never said a mumbling word. Isaiah 53, 7 says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth yeah. like yeah. a lamb that is led to the slaughter. There it is again, that Passover lamb led to the slaughter like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Mm-hmm. So we saw in the previous chapter, this mockery increase. It just continues and amplifies itself as the chapter continues. And he heads to the verdict and to the cross at Golgotha. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. here we Meanwhile. are again. The Sanhedrin's hatred is also amplifying. Yeah. Okay, as well. And uh, it says... Um, in in this verse that they are now vehemently, they are vehemently accusing him. They're forcefully and with this violent emu- uh, emotion accusing Jesus to Herod. Mm-hmm. And Herod nor Pilate find Jesus guilty of these charges brought up against him. Mm-hmm. So Pilate goes as far as to say in verse 15 and 16, he says, neither did Herod for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. So because he's seeking to, uh, I think, appease the crowds, right? Yeah. We're seeing this. He's like, listen, I sort of just want this to die down. I will therefore punish him and then mm-hmm. I'm going to release him. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all, we get into verses 18 through 34 and now we're at the crucifixion. And at this point, the crowd is yelling, because the Sanhedrin is in the crowd, right? And they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. Well, Barabbas 
And they're saying, give us Barabbas, right? Yeah. In verse yeah. 18, right? Get rid of this man and give us Barabbas instead. Give us Barabbas. Y'all, I never saw this in the text because guess what? I, I've never experienced it. <laughs> in never my really history. looked for it. I never looked for it. But, but Barabbas dun, dun, dun. is an insurrectionist. He yeah, is an what? insurrectionist murderer. Y'all, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with what we experienced <laughs> in 2020. Y'all better know that. And he experienced it right at the cross. That's all I got to say. Really did. And so the Barabbas, this insurrectionist murderer, right? He rises up. And in the midst of him creating this insurrection in the actual government, mm-hmm. people are murdered. And so this is who the chief priest incite against Christ and they would rather have free. Let yeah. that soak in. Let that soak in. Let that they whole... say, give us the insurrectionist, take Jesus and get rid of him. Yeah, man. So Pilate asks a third That's time. In scripture. <laughs> That's scripture. We didn't even know. I mean, like that has obviously been in scripture way before America was even a thing. Yes. But it's yes, just taken yes. on a whole new light when we yes. see the crowds, the 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 so-called Girl. church act the same way. Girl, do you hear me? So anyway, that's so a whole every, other light. That's a whole chapter. that's a whole nother tangent. But y'all just need to know that the Bible is true. That's what that's what I said to myself as I was reading chapter mm-hmm. 23. I was like, man, the Bible is so true and so inerrant and so real. And it is alive. Mm -hmm. And we have actual Mm -hmm. whispers in history of time Mm -hmm. globally Mm -hmm. that speak to this. Because there have been insurrections happening globally. Yeah, we are not the first and we will not be the last. Come on now. Come on now. So anyway, Pilate asks a third time, like, why, 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 why are y'all doing this? And so anytime you have an unbeliever asking something like this, you know that it's totally wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about an unbeliever, someone mm-hmm. who is not professing Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So Pilate thought he was innocent in this because he's not signing off. He's like, listen, I do not find any guilt yeah, he's by like, his words. He, what, what evil has he done? What evil has he done, right? And he's sort of trying to wash his hands, right? Because Pilate thought that he was innocent, but his complicity mm-hmm. gave the crowds what they were demanding, and so he thought in verse 16, him beating him, I mean, in verse 16, he thought him beating him would suffice them mm-hmm. and would be enough. But listen, this is what power does. When you are hungry for power, power has no means to an end. It just keeps continuing because yeah. it is a sinful fleshly desire that yeah. is seeking control, right? Yeah. And it's often modeled that once you have power, the corruption of power is once one has power, one does anything they can do to keep to it. To keep it, to keep it, to wield it for themselves, right? And keep it, absolutely, absolutely. So Jesus is seized and he's led away by a sort of sovereignty of God moment. As mm-hmm. this, the text says, it says it's sort of like this just so happened mm-hmm. incident, in, instance, right? Um, you you can sort of read into it as that, but really it's a sovereign orchestration encounter that that this guy named Simon of Cyrene, he is a North African Libyan brother mm-hmm. who has just come into town and he carries the cross behind Jesus. And I was like, yo, this has to be like the Black History Month a highlight. Shout out, a Black History Month shout out. That Simon the person, that's right. The person who carried the cross behind Jesus mm. was an African brother. And, you know, we know that our listenership is super broad. And we also know that there is an attack on um, Black Christian theology, understanding Black Christians mm-hmm. in the Bible and mm-hmm. that it is being manipulated for mm-hmm. um, just all forms of heresy. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to highlight that, that we see the person who is carrying Jesus's cross, this familiarity mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to help my this, this individual Jesus mm-hmm. who is going to suffer for humankind. And so mm-hmm. we see this, and this is like a huge highlight to me. Uh, but behind Jesus is this multitude of people as well. So you have Simon of Cyrene, you got this multitude of people, and then y'all guess who else is here? Okay. 
you got women mourning and mm-hmm. lamenting. So these are all the people who would yeah. not be with yeah. him, okay? Yeah. Who yeah. have all been like on the outskirts of the temple, who are not allowed. Mm-hmm. They are like the least of mm-hmm. these, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus is highlighting, this is being highlighted in scripture and we see this taking place and these women are lamenting and they're mourning and Christ tells them, don't cry. Don't cry for me. Don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves in Jerusalem mm-hmm. because just as we talked about in the previous chapters, he's quoting Old Testament texts as well as reassuring them that the destruction of Jerusalem yeah. is coming yeah. next. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so why is this coming? Because no one is exempt from murder and death. When mm-hmm. you have this type of um, this type of corruption and yeah, all of these that things, bloodthirstiness. that mm-hmm. bloodthirstiness, like, listen, no one is exempt from it. And so mm-hmm. persecution is going to come and mm-hmm. it is coming and it will come. Mm-hmm. So we move forward into these this last section of Jesus and the company that he is with at the appointed time in verses 31 through 56. And Jesus is led with two criminals to be crucified. And as he's going to be crucified, look at his heart and how full of compassion it is. He is going to the cross and asking for the forgiveness of those who have sought his death, Mm -hmm. saying, Father, forgive them, right? And as this is happening, there is this pinnacle of scoffing. Yeah, there's such as a juxtaposition, Jesus, right? Right, He's Jesus. Like, Father, forgive them. And they're yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. These individuals don't even know what they are doing because they think I am a king, right? right. And we're at this pinnacle and people are scoffing and mocking and, and, and they're saying, listen, save yourself in verse 35 is what mm-hmm. it says, right? They're like... Um, um, and the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. Yeah. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. So with this inscription, as we see the verses move forward, what do they put on the inscription at the cross? This is the king of the Jews, right? And and as this moves forward, um, these individuals rightly are, 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 are saying these things. We're at this pinnacle and they don't know what they're doing. And this is the all-encompassing perspective of humankind. We see some of, of them perceive what they are doing as just and right and are totally missing the point. Mm-hmm. We see some of the people in the crowds who have no awareness of what they are doing and are blind mm-hmm. to their sin. And then we see some of them who are fully aware of the weight of their sin mm-hmm. and know they rightly deserve penalty and judgment and are grieved and see it as not just it is what it is, but I need a savior. And here comes the second yeah. criminal, right? Who is embodying this third mm-hmm. category of this encompassing perspective from humankind. He recognizes who God is. He sees the holiness of God in Christ, recognizes his sin and his unworthiness and asks in his own words, right? Like we've heard the prayer of salvation. No, his whole dialogue with Jesus at this point is a prayer of salvation and asked to come into his kingdom. He says, Jesus, remember me Mm -hmm. in verse 42, Mm -hmm. when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, right? And Mm -hmm. so the hour has come, the veil is torn, and Jesus calls out in verse 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The centurion rejoices, saying, certainly this man was innocent, right? He's another one. Like we see all of these people coming in real time towards salvation when they see this, like it's so beautiful. Certainly this man was innocent, Mm -hmm. the centurion says. Jesus's crowd and the women who followed him watched at a distance and, uh, and, and saw all of this transpiring. We see them. And then in chapter 23, it closes out with this committed crew of people, this centurion. Yeah this woman, this thief. And then we see, oh my goodness, Joseph, mm-hmm. Joseph. of Arimathea, yeah. right? godly man from the Sanhedrin who believes in Jesus the Christ. 
didn't agree with what yeah. they did and was looking for the kingdom of God. I love that it says that. He was looking oh for the kingdom God. of God. He did not consent to what they did to Jesus. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. He Mm -hmm. was looking for it. And girl, I was thinking about this because I was like, no, he was in a group of what would be at that time considered church folk who were walking around in darkness, not seeing the Messiah. Yeah. And here he is and he sees him in the mist and and ultimately is saying that there can be remnants in spaces where we think, are not there. There are people who are following the Christ in the midst of of people's blindness, right? right? right. And so he asks Pilate for Jesus's body. He takes Mm -hmm. his body into a tomb never used. And and all of this is all prophetic Old Testament fulfillment, right? And as the Sabbath begins, the women are preparing his body. Y'all, this is the official fulfilled Passover lamb. And then that's the end of chapter 23. And we jump into chapter 24. Hey ladies, we are so grateful to bring you the ministry of the Urban Christian Woman right into your headsets, your airwaves, every single week. We have seen God at work through the varying resources of the Urban Christian Woman, be it the blogs, the podcasts, the events held locally in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Currently, we are seeking to reach our giving goal of $1,500 of monthly givers to fuel God's kingdom work in the lives of urban women all across the U.S. So we would ask you to consider giving as little as $5 a month to the work of the Urban Christian Woman and help equip urban women with God's truth for everyday life. You can give right now by going to www com. Thanks in advance for your investment into the lives of urban women. Yeah, so Leah, mm-hmm. take us right into this. I know. And I, and I just have to say, I love that overlay, right? Like they're preparing for the Sabbath as they're preparing the 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 uh the spices for Jesus' body like that overlay yes like their prepa- the preparation yes um is just I love that like overlay because as you said he is the true Passover lamb yes and so yeah and and even just the sanctity of this pause right like in the on the Sabbath mm-hmm. they rested according yeah. to the commandment. So they, they prepared, they prepared, and then they rested. Yeah. And on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Yeah. So when, mm, I don't, I mean, like the fact that they prepared, right. They brought an offering mm. that they had previously prepared. They were, yes. I mean, that, that element of preparation, I think just slipped through the cracks the first couple of times I read it, mm-hmm. but just that sense of, preparing for what they were to bring as an offering yes, is yes. just a whole word. Yes. So they, the women, the very women who witnessed Jesus's death are also the first as they come with this preparation to yep. bear witness to his resurrection. Come on. Jesus appeared to the, to the apostles, eventually wounds and all, and continued to proclaim the now fulfilled truth about mm. himself. And then mm. ultimately chapter 24 is all about him assuring them with his presence yes. and instructing them on what to do next. And so, right, like we start with the women rise early to take on this work of worship. Again, like mm-hmm. I said, that they had prepared mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, and they get to the tomb and they're met with a perplexing scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. angels appeared and they appealed to the women. They're like, remember what Jesus said would happen? That's now happened. Yeah. And in the act of him calling them to remember, they remembered. And I can't help but think like, Will we be those women in the end of times, sort of like we talked about the end of times last week, Mm -hmm. perplexed, right? And having to be called to remember all that happened, Mm -hmm. Jesus said would happen. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. do we remember what he said would happen at the end of times? Yeah. Or are we we perplexed and having to be called upon to remember? Yeah, yeah. And girl, even as you're saying that, it is making me think, of just this posture that they had. They were already preparing. So they were seeking to see 
Mm-hmm. what they were longing for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's that preparedness versus being perplexed. And mm. whew, that is a whole word. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so the women, they like, they encounter these angels. They go swiftly to bear witness to the apostles. But of course, the apostles did not believe their stories. Hashtag believe our stories. Yes. Because they were women. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, the fact that basically anything that a, a whole bunch of women say, th- the men of the culture basically just say that it's idle talk. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and But Luke keeps highlighting the way that Jesus highlights women. Mm-hmm. So here we see just how countercultural that was and how countercultural it is. For the whole, like the the testimony of the resurrection to be anchored on yeah. women witnesses, yeah, yeah, like y'all don't even understand how unlikely that was, and yeah. how countercultural and powerful it is that that the story of Jesus yep. would actually be anchored in that way. Yeah, I mean it's so outside of what would have been the norm, right? And, right. I mean, they literally the apostles mm-hmm. who were with these women the whole time right. still dismissed it as idle talk. So Peter's like, all right, I got to go see this for myself. He sees the evidence as what of what has happened, and he goes away marveling. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he goes away marveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that very same day, again, there's just this sense of of this passage of time and the, the, what is happening during right. this day. Right. There's you've got these two apostles who are going on a trip to a um a village called Emmaus and they get this unexpected companion along the way. So Jesus joins them, but at the time their eyes were kept from recognizing. Yeah. I can't even, I can sort of imagine that they were caught up in like this swirl of grief and confusion Mm -hmm. and even sort of this tinge of mystery, right? Because they have this uh, testimony from Mm -hmm. the women and now they have what uh, Peter you know, mm-hmm. what he, what he saw. Yeah. And so they have sort of this awareness that like, he's not there, um, but we don't know what happened. Right. And so in the midst of that, they don't even recognize that Jesus has mm. joined them on mm. the road. Mm-hmm. Jesus provokes this story out of them. He's like, you know, you know, what things, what things are, and then he, I mean, because they're like, Okay, don't you know all this stuff, everything, Jerusalem's, everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, everybody's talking about what? <laughs> you know, yeah. he knows, but he he provokes the story out of them um, because it's it's an opportunity for instruction, right? He then rebukes the two disciples that they were slow to believe the prophets, and so it's this circling back to like the the fact that from the very beginning, like Christ's trajectory, the Christ, the trajectory of the Christ was suffering and then glory, mm-hmm. and so we know from the scriptures, and they would know, right? Yeah. That's as yep. ones that knew the scriptures, that it was always spoken about that way. And so I wonder, like, why did they miss it, right? Why did they miss it? And I can't help mm-hmm. but think that just because something like of this magnitude has literally never happened before, mm-hmm. like, literally never happened before. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even with eyes sort of, quote unquote, wide open, yeah, there's this incredulous level of like, they just, they can't, they can't wrap their minds around it. Yeah. So they get to their destination and they appeal to Jesus to stay because it's too late to keep traveling. And there they share share a meal. And it's in this moment of intimacy that they then finally recognize Jesus. I love it. I love it. And so I'm like, I I can't, I can't just zoom past this table intimacy, y'all. The table is ultimately the place to slow down, to be heard, and to be seen. And can we just check ourselves on that in our own homes? Like, are our tables this place to slow down that those that are beloved to us are heard and seen around the table? And so, I mean, I I love that about just the intimacy around sharing a meal, that in a space of intimacy, Jesus is actually seen for who he is. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I just have to take this little detour real quick, but like, can we, can we use our imaginations to believe that around our tables, those that we love might actually see Jesus for who he really yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we share in that intimate time and we share our hearts, is there, are there opportunities and chances to really have people see Jesus for who he is? Mm. And so the, these two disciples, they recognize Jesus, but as soon as they recognize him, he vanishes. And right after all that happens, all of a sudden, it's not too late to travel after all this news. Right. 
it can't wait. It can't wait. So they yeah. literally go all the way back to Jerusalem that same night, which mm. like don't, I mean, it was not like they just hopped into Uber. Like they were walking by foot. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, I mean, the risk that's taken for them to take that journey back in the middle yeah. of the night mm-hmm. shows the value of the news that they had mm-hmm. and that they needed to share. And so now we're beginning to have more and more witnesses to the resurrection. First, the women, mm. then Simon, and yep. now these two disciples. And yep. finally, in verses 36 to the end, Jesus appears to the disciples here and he gives them these parting instructions. And um, he says, when he appears to them in verse 36, he says, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And I just like, I mean, the fact that he first proclaims peace again to Sheba, like we were talking about, man, like mm. there are these constant echoes to other parts of, 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 um, Mm. of scripture, of, of the old Testament, right? Isaiah six, nine, they call, um, Isaiah calls him the Prince of peace. And then I think even in other uh, places of Ephesians two seventeen, where Jesus is spoken about, um, by Paul who says he himself is our peace. Our peace. Yes. And so when Jesus shows up and says, peace to you, he's speaking the peace that he brings in his body, in his flesh. Mm-hmm. And so, um, right, there's this reassurance um, of Christ who invites them to see who he really is, right? They're frightened, but he invites them in to see who he really is. He says, see my hands, see mm-hmm. my feet. This is mm-hmm. I, myself, touch me and see. Touch, touch me. And see. So, I mean, let's not miss that the disciples are actually discussing his resurrection, even at that time, right? Like mm-hmm. that were at Emmaus had come back and they're having this conversation. And yet when Jesus shows up, they're still grappling with all the facts of what happened. Mm-hmm. So I think like, I don't know, Tashiba, I was like, this is a word sort of assurance for us all, even for those of us who are like constantly on the in in like difficult spaces in our city context who are constantly proclaiming Jesus to a lost world, like it just is a reminder that it actually takes time to sink in. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. actually takes time to really believe the weight and the implications of the resurrection. And that's yeah. okay. I think of a, of a sister that I'm walking with now who has sort of like a baseline cultural understanding and maybe even would call herself a Christian, but, but her life is not transformed with the mm-hmm. power of the spirit and the power of a living Jesus. And I'm like, and I've had to check myself, right, of my own impatience. Like, don't you know that if Jesus really is who you say he is, you would act, you would live different. You would you would relate to the world differently. The fruit of your life would be different. And and so when I read this, honestly, Toshiba, it was a check to my whole self because yeah. I was like, listen, if the disciples who walked with him the whole time, the whole time, were still sort of confused about the resurrection, yeah. Like they literally had the word. They had person. And he said, and he he told them plain and clear what would happen. Plain and clear. But Mm -hmm. I believe honestly, it's, it's an encouragement to us to be patient, right? Like the resurrection is so wild. I think maybe we've gotten too familiar with it, that we've, that we've forgotten how literally wild it is, how Mm -hmm. wild it is, how otherworldly it is, Mm -hmm. that it can take time for folks to come to like, sort of come to grips with the reality of it and the implications of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think a a huge part of that, right, is because um, we live in a society and in a country where Christianity is seen as an industrial complex yeah. okay. versus like we have these big events, we have these big things, we have mm-hmm. these big videos. And so it's like, oh, yeah, th- it's just this simple. And you 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 the familiarity is mm-hmm. one part. But I also believe that it is that space of um, it, we hear stories so quickly that mm-hmm. and we'll say, yeah, 500 people came to faith in Jesus. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think mm-hmm. about no, not to Billy Graham, but all the Billy Graham crusades and 6000 mm-hmm. people came to Jesus. And so mm-hmm. because of that, it makes it seem like, oh, yeah, salvation and and clarity of sight around mm. who Jesus is. It mm. just comes like this. Mm. And everybody is not immediately. Mm-mm. 
Come mm-hmm. on, can I just say that one more time? Everybody mm-hmm. is not immediately. It takes mm-hmm. them time. My story is a huge part of that. Like yeah. it takes time to see who Jesus is. It's not that you don't believe Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But to know him intimately for yourself, right. like I see intimately, him. And even just knowing intimately the implications of the resurrection for yes, your life. Ma'am. Like the, the disciples didn't know the implications of the resurrection for Not their peace and for their assurance. And yes. I, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm just humbled by that because I'm like, okay, let me take that posture of patience yes. Yes. and just really see the resurrection for what it is. It's the most otherworldly thing that has ever happened in the history of humanity. Yes. And yes. the implications of it are huge. And so as we walk with folks that that perceive that they understand, like the disciples did, but actually didn't really understand until yeah. there was just time and intimacy on the other side. Yeah. Like, let that be sort of just instruction for mm-hmm. me, for us, mm-hmm. as we as we interact with folks like that as well in our lives. And yeah. so... Yeah, and I think about, you know, how forgetful Peter was too, because Peter always yeah. thought that he was a little bit more on point than what he actually was in believing who Jesus yeah. was. Yeah. And Jesus kept showing him all the time, either your doubt or your fear. Many of the disciples grappled with mm-hmm. those things. And mm-hmm. I think that we need to just continue to not only pursue humility mm-hmm. and that posture of patience, but I think a huge part is us remembering ourselves what Jesus has done for yeah. us. Yeah. You know, because that's not many of our stories like this instantaneous. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're right. We can get sort of caught up in the culture of Christianity and forget the actual transformation that that happens slowly in these ways in in the lives of, of people that come to faith. And so I'm just like, man, and this second element is just really powerful on the heels of that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I think the disciples were almost afraid to trust Jesus um, because of who, like they thought they saw him to be a ghost, right? He appears to them and they're like, it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. It's an apparition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm even like, are we afraid to trust Jesus? That's because of who we think we see him to mm-hmm. be because of who he oh. sort of appears to be in a, in a misappearance, if you will. It's not the right Ooh. appearance. Yet he invites them to touch and see firsthand. He invites us to touch and see firsthand so that we can have that assurance and that peace that comes through an intimacy. A touching is so mm-hmm. intimate, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have, we we come to that assurance and that peace through that intimate touching and seeing. Mm-hmm. Him. And so that sort of is on the heels of what we're mm-hmm. saying of like the time it takes to really understand and believe the resurrection. Ladies, can we walk with those who are we trying to show and, and proclaim the resurrection to? And can we walk with them in a way that they see through intimacy, mm-hmm. the assurance and peace that comes through knowing and trusting Jesus, the risen Savior. Yeah, yeah. And even as it moves forward, Leah, you're going to see in those next verses, what does Jesus do right after that? Which is, to me, you know, we think that it is so much labor to do that, Mm -hmm. but they're at the table and they recognize when the the fish, when Jesus takes a fish and he begins to eat, right? And so you touch and you see as you are intimately at the table and what you were talking about, just slowing down, Mm -hmm. being patient. The table teaches us slowness. The table teaches us how to wait. The table teaches Mm -hmm. us how to be patient. Mm-hmm. The table teaches us how to reach and touch someone. Yeah. Man, yeah. the table is yeah. this intimate place. And I feel this is just a moment for really practical discipleship because especially as many of our listeners are working women, right? We're juggling all these things. We've yes. got like, you know, careers or kids or schedules and all that stuff that yep. the table can sort of trickle away. And and this is a discipleship towards coming back to that table and seeing the the sanctifying work and the intimacy that Mm. can happen around the table, around the table. I mean, that's going to be have to be a whole other conversation. But Girl, like, I was just thinking that. I was like, you know what? We're going to do a whole mini series called Around the Table and Journey Through It in the scriptures, um, because yeah. it is profound yeah. about the 
what the table actually symbolizes the alone. Table, and, homie. Oh and my gosh. What's at the table, the bread of the present. Girl, mm-hmm. don't get me started. I know. But go ahead. I know. Go ahead. Yeah. Be on and, tangents. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the table, <laughs> right? It's so intimacy. Is, yeah, he's even there. And and Luke takes the time to remind us, like, this is not no ghostly appearance, right? He yeah. ate, Jesus ate at the table. Yes, he with did. With his people. With his right? people. With his people. This isn't just some figment of their grief-stricken imaginations. Yeah. Um, he he's he's sitting at the table with his crew one more time. One more and game. in that space, Jesus reminds the disciples of all that he preached about himself, mm. all that was preached about him up until yeah. that point, right? He yeah. walks them through it. And then he finishes with you are witnesses, mm. commissioning them like from this point forward with the task of carrying to the world what they saw firsthand. Mm-hmm. Not everybody would have the privilege of seeing firsthand what they saw. And so he says, you are witnesses. And he sends them, sort of commissions them with that. And so don't, mm. ladies, don't, don't even miss 47, that in this, he says, like the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in Christ's name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, from the beginning I mean, this goes back to for all nations, beginning with Israel, actually goes back to Abraham's covenant that mm-hmm. God made. He made it for all people. That from beginning with Israel, come on now, that there would be a people for himself in order to bless all nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, then in 49, when we get to sort of this talk of another promise to be fulfilled. Um, that Jesus names here, not named as God's spirit, but we know that it's God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. And again, if the disciples knew and searched the scriptures as they would, they would see that the prophets had proclaimed it. They would recognize it from Joel 2.28, which says, and afterwards, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. So we have these callings back to, to what God has said already that will absolutely come to pass. And so then what does he land on his commandment in light of this? Stay mm-hmm. in the city until you're closed with that power from on high. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I couldn't, Toshiba, I could not help but think of where is another place in scripture where God's people were clothed before they were sent out? How about the garden? You better, you better bring this full circle. Let's talk honey. about some covenant theology. Let's talk about some whole scripture theology right now. Okay. Okay. That the provision of God, when he clothed Adam and Eve before he sent them out from the garden. And I just want to say for my Bible nerds out there, y'all with Bible me. Bible nerd it out. Bible nerd us out, y'all ma'am. Y'all are with me. The, the sending them out from the garden is, is sort of, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's misinterpreted as a curse. But actually, like God's whole plan from all along was that they would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And this was his command before, mm. the, before the fall. Mm. So him sending them out wasn't necessarily like all sort of like curse punishment as we sort of hear it. Mm-hmm. But it actually was all the while a part of his plan mm. to fulfill his name being exalted in all nations. So when he sends them out, he clothes them. Mm. even in spite of their own sin and flaws. Yes, ma'am. And so here again, we have this this, this other example of, I'm going to clothe you before mm-hmm. I send you out. Yep, yep, yep. To do just what- Girl, you I better come Adam on in here. To do. You better come on in here, honey. To multiply my name in the whole earth. Mm. I'm like, I'm not going to weep on this podcast, but that's just beautiful. That that's is so, beautiful. I mean, God is, yeah. Girl, that's beautiful. And so we end the gospel with the ascension where Jesus leaves him with this blessing of what, um, what Mm. just he, he, I mean, he blesses them and then he blesses them. And what do they do? Mm -hmm. They worship him and they They worship him with great joy. They return with great joy to Jerusalem. To Come worship. On. And so, in fact, even Luke goes full circle, right? They go with joy to the temple where it all began with Zechariah. And yep. here is the new beginning that will lead us to this miraculous future of the church that yeah. you know, Luke just sort of ends like that because it's not really the end. It's to be continued in the book of Acts, which yep. I'm like, I look forward to us sort of to be continued 
in to the be book continued. of Acts. I'm to... going to have to take myself there. We might have to take y'all there. That's just a foreshadow of what might be to come. That's, that's a foreshadow. Keep it, keep, keep it in our back pocket of keep the foreshadow. Keep it in your back pocket. Okay. Okay. Keep so, the portion. Yeah. So we here we have Ooh, that's a word. completed this tour of Luke where we see this implication. Christ is who is Christ? Christ is the resurrection and the life. Yes. He's the resurrection and the life. He is, he has the one who has accomplished this fulfillment of mm-hmm. what we have been waiting for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it in in the case that we would even need more because that's just there's just so much there. Let's yeah. talk through what are the implications of all of this for us, socially, yeah. personally, and then socially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I want to go here in regards to spiritual implications. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we see is that believe God's word, not on account is speaking who is speaking so um christ christ is a, a cross christ's cross and crucifixion are the manifested and confirmed witness of who christ is right christ's cross and crucifixion are the manifested and confirmed witness of who christ is he what he is the king of kings and lord of lords before he even came that's who he was. Mm-hmm. And so his plan when he came was to be more than a king. God's plan is Christ. His plan is Christ. It was Christ as mm-hmm. the savior and the rescuer of the world. And we say this verse so much, so flippantly, but no, it is so true. And our implication speaks to this, that for God so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave us only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so we can truly believe not just on the account of what he was saying, but who is actually saying these mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. And so all of this was written, ladies. And so because it was written, it must be fulfilled. And yeah. God is bound by his nature to faithfulness to his yeah. own yeah. words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw all throughout, um, especially in 24, like he says, um, it must be, as the scripture said, you know that yes. it must be, as the scripture said, there's sort of this binding of yes. God to fulfill the words that he says about himself and about yes. Christ. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I would just say that a 23 highlights that as well, right? Except yeah. for it's just so much mm-hmm. um, just confirmation to the Old Testament too. Mm-hmm. And how all of scripture has been pointing to this yeah. this time and this moment, all right? All of scripture has been pointing to this moment. Yeah. Yes. And I yes. think that that flows right into what our personal implications are. I mean, God will keep his word. God Come kept on. his word. God keeps his word and God will keep his word. Mm-hmm. Even when it involves things that seem impossible. I mean, yes. this resurrection seems impossible, but God said it was going to happen that way. Yep. And it happened just as he said it was going to happen. And so let, I mean, let that soak in for your own life, ladies. Like God keeps his word, even when it involves things in your life that seem impossible. Yeah. What he said in his word will be true, will be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then- I- Yeah, Yeah. Leah, I was just going to say, like, you know, even what you're saying in regards to that of him keeping his word, even when the disciples were not aware, right, they were they were on in that space of not knowing Mm -hmm. that Jesus was who he was. Right. Mm -hmm. It it is the space of that. God still keeps his word. And, And I want to say that for a sister who is wrestling in this season. I know so many women mm-hmm. who are wrestling, who are wrestling with like, is this gospel true in this time? As a pandemic has hit, as, as we see all of the racial tension that has happened in our culture and in this climate in America, so many mm-hmm. Christians who have been falling into conspiracies and all the things. Mm-hmm. And this is what is true, God's word. And yeah. we know that yeah. God yeah. keeps his word, God kept his word mm-hmm. and he will continue to keep it when he comes back again. Yeah. So just as much as you can have these moments of doubt and and wrestle with that, you can also believe that he keeps his word. And because he's keeping his word, it propels us, right? Yeah. With that awareness of that sober-mindedness of 
will we be found mm-hmm. um, in that flex? <laughs> Come on, that's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Exactly where I was going. Yeah. Are we going to be in the space remembering and pursuing as witnesses? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. will we be perplexed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we have we another personal implication for us, uh, particularly just as believers who are walking out this Christian life, we cannot be surprised about suffering and persecution. Uh, I mean, ma'am. the life of Jesus, he said the ma'am. Christ must suffer first before glory, right? Come on. And so if it was if it was the trajectory of Christ, if it was the trajectory of Jesus, so if it was the trajectory of Jesus, we know for sure that we are united with Christ as we follow that same trajectory Come of on. suffering, knowing the promised glorif- glorification yep. that will come afterwards. Yep. And so yep. if we if we are too comfortable or maybe don't feel that tension of that suffering, mm-hmm. I mean, we really need to check, like, where am I a part of the mission of Jesus? Where am I engaged in that? And and it may, it, it may be some questions where we got to enter into some things. Yeah. Um, and we need to listen. And I'm going to mm-hmm. exhort my sisters just like I have to exhort myself. Yeah, listen, yeah. God is God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness mm-hmm. when we repent. Mm-hmm. You're finding yourself in that space. You need to be repenting and yeah. asking the Lord, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, help me to be obedient towards your mission and mm-hmm. embracing mm-hmm. the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, often like this, you know, I think the suffering comes in many forms. So what Come we on. don't want to do is be like pushing you towards folks that are going to tell you exactly how it should be and sort of yeah. pigeonholing into this way. Yeah. But I think what we do know is that you can look back at scripture. Come and on see now. How Christ suffered. Come what on was, now. What was his suffering? Come right? on now. And, and, and many times like his shame that was, that was heaped on him was because of those he spent time with, right? Mm-hmm. The way that he served, right? Yep. Those yep. are just a few examples of how, how Christ suffered, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it is anchored on just his life was poured out in service. So yeah. I tell you from my own experience, Come if on. you posture yourself to serve others, you will encounter suffering <laughs> because it's uncomfortable yeah. and it puts others before yourself. So maybe if you're looking for an on-ramp, start there. Find out ways that we can posture in service and then see what see what uh, comes out of that. So she was looking at me with the crazy eyes because it's so true though. It's so like, true. I mean, in some of those places you'll choose, right? Like if you step into a ministry role or whatever, and some of those places will be chosen for you. Come on, marriage and children. Come on, sovereign orchestration. Come on. Come on, your life. Honor your mother and father. Okay. Come on. Come on, boss, that you're having a difficult time submitting Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Come on, friendship that is experiencing a place of tension. Mm -hmm. Come on, love thy neighbor on that block as yourself. Come on. Okay. Okay. Come on. You don't know your neighbors and Valentine's day is coming up. The, 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 the holiday <laughs> that the sovereign Lord in America yeah. has orchestrated for you to love your neighbor as you, you love, love yourself. your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm going to throw that out. Okay. Y'all were laughing because <laughs> it's the work of the, it's the work of the gospel to both convict you. And when you're black, you laugh about it. <laughs> Yes. Carry on. Yes. No, you take us through to the end, man, because this is so good. Yeah. This this implication socially and culturally is don't dismiss who Jesus came for. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is the encompassing point that we saw in Mm -hmm. chapter 23. Mm -hmm. Jesus came for all people. Y'all, it was a rowdy, unique, raggedy type of bunch of people that people yeah. would not have invited, no, okay? Never. To the gospel. The women were not people that mm-hmm. were welcome, okay? Mm-hmm. The criminal mm-hmm. on the cross was not welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon the Cyrene. Simon the Cyrene, the, 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 the brother from the other ethnic descent that was not mm-hmm. from, the, from, from the house of Israel, okay? Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. 
Mm-hmm. So, and then let's just say this, even, even the Sanhedrin and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, from, from, from my brother, um, girl, my mind is skipping me right Josephus. now. Joseph of mm-hmm. Arimathea. Okay. Like he was, he wasn't, I'm sure that he was not accepted in that crowd for standing for righteousness. Oh and yeah. Truth, okay. Come on. So all I'm going to say is don't dismiss who Jesus came for all people. Mm-hmm. The criminal at his death was just as worthy to be accepted into the loving arms of God as the mm-hmm. one, the ones who were walking with him and the ones who were yelling, crucify him. Mm-hmm. Even the centurion, right? Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting about the centurion too. Put him mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. So those in the margins are ready to hear mm-hmm. good news. Mm-hmm. The people who we think are least likely. That's what that's what the Lord was yeah. saying. Yeah. What do you think is least likely yeah. to re- to hear the gospel, to receive it, to 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 welcome it, or to entertain it? That's why I'm telling you to invite yeah. and, and build relationship with yeah. Tashika. Yeah, and then and Jesus- then when they enter in, it's like this um, the reminder of what we were talking about earlier. Like there there is a there may be a slowness to believing the resurrection power yes. in their lives, yes. and yes. so. I mean, I think this final implication that we would posture ourselves with loving grace, mm-hmm. right? As we prepare for the watching world and and expect the watching world, right? To be skeptical about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. We, we, mm-hmm. we posture ourselves with patience and reliance on the Spirit's work as we proclaim the truth that Jesus rose and he is alive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's, man, there is so much here, ladies. I can't wait to next week, just debrief all of this in our, um, all things considered. And that's just going to give us space to stretch our wings with y'all and, and go yeah. through, um, some of these, some of these, uh, yeah, these nooks and crannies of Luke where we just have unearthed such gems. So I'm yeah. thankful for this journey to Sheba. Will you pray for us as we end out this episode yes jesus we just thank you and we bless you for how you did not say a mumbling word when those who were indicting you over and over again you were our not only passover lamb but you were the lamb who was brought to be slaughtered for our sin Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for enduring the shame. Thank you for enduring the mockery. God, thank you for enduring the scoffers. And thank you for your blood that was poured out for us, Lord God, for all humankind, not just for those who already profess your name, but for those who have no inkling of you, who are in hostility to you. Jesus, we thank you for that. And we thank you that you do not leave us as we are, but Father, even in our perplexedness, even in our blindness, even when we do not see you, when you are yet walking with us, God, you still reveal yourself. Mm -hmm. And Father, we thank you for the revelation of your spirit that is with us and in us and works through us. And so because of that, we are able to be your witnesses. Father, would you enable us through your spirit, through your spirit's power to be your witnesses so that, Father, as those who we go out to proclaim good news to, God, to proclaim the sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Lord God, that we would be able, when we see it, to rejoice and have this great joy that we ourselves experience, that the disciples themselves experienced because you have revealed yourself as Christ, our resurrection and our life. We thank you. We thank you for you, Jesus, our Lord. You are King and you are Savior of all personhood, mankind. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day, ladies.